is Tom, you're listening to Stempunk, and we have a special episode of Stempunk today. We're not interviewing uh, one person, we're not interviewing two people, we're interviewing, how many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven people, that's amazing. This is going to be a panel, more of a podcast. The seven people we're interviewing are all people that are working with me this week, uh, and one of the things that I do is communication, science communication, and that's what we're doing. So I'm going to ask you the same questions that we ask everyone else on the podcast, and you're all going to give me some fantastic answers, and it's going to be a lot of fun, hopefully. So let's get into it. Uh, let's firstly introduce ourselves. So who who are you? I'm Nick. I'm Olivia. I'm Oscar. I'm Ella. Hi, I'm Alison. Hi there, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Nelson. All right, that's our team. I'm going to ask you all... The question that I ask everyone on our podcast, the thing I really like about this question is that no one really knows the answer. So whatever answer you give is the right answer. It's interesting to me to hear the different uh, responses that you give, the different responses that people in science give and people not in science give. Anyway, so I'm just going to ask you my question. So in your own words, what does STEM mean to you? What does STEM mean? Anyone, go for it. Well, I've heard of it, but I've never really like known what it means, but... I think it has to do something with like future careers or something in science. Um, well, I see it as abbreviation for science, technology, engineering and maths. So I always thought of it as like a movement f- to motivate young people to pursue these subjects that they wouldn't normally pursue because they would see it as too difficult or something that they wouldn't be able to achieve. So you're a young person. Does it motivate you? Well, I haven't really looked into it much, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure, but that's all I've heard. Tell me, what does STEM mean? STEM, I guess, it's like what Nelson and Olivia have said. It's like a future movement. It's a way for people to broaden their minds and to do things that they wouldn't normally want to do before. And I think the fact that it's being pursued in schools all around Australia, it's a really good thing because it really helps to educate people in the things that they need to be educated in. Well, what everyone else was saying is basically just something to motivate people to join in. And you think STEM is, is a way to get, or to help people stick around longer or invest time earlier, you know, that sort of stuff? I think it's a way, like, to get people, yeah, like, into it earlier than maybe try to make them stay for a bit longer. Um, I haven't really heard much about it, but we do have courses for it at school, and it's usually just to promote young people to be more involved in science-related topics. Okay, and Ali, tell me, what do you think? I'm going to throw a bit of confusion here and say that there's two different types of STEM. There's STEM and STEM. Uh-huh. I've heard of science, technology, engineering and maths and then also science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine. So it's like the isotope of, of the first one. So I think we don't have to put a clear boundary around what is STEM. I think we should be open to including other disciplines. I'm excited this year to be part of a project where I'm combining my science with design and I think that's still STEM. Um, So as long as it has that element of questioning why, why is the reason that this occurred and factually and seeking out those answers, I think we can actually make STEM quite a lot broader than how it might otherwise be defined. If you're going to throw down some gauntlets, I can as well. So what about STEAM? Have you heard of STEAM? What's the A? So S-T-E-A-M. What's the A? Is it art? Yeah, arts. Does that does that fly? Do you think that's worked? 
Does that work for you guys? As long as you're analysing the pigment with the colour, you know, spectrum, (laughs) SPD, spectral power diffusion, whatever that is, I think that could be included if it's got a scientific element to it. Yeah, I don't know either. There's there's three hosts of this podcast and, and there's contention amongst us three whether you should keep the A in there or have STEAM or STEM with an extra M or... Even like some people call it STEM with an H for humanities. But that's just everything. Exactly. <laughs> that's just life. But I think it's interesting that even amongst people at school, and you've got subjects of STEM at school, but we don't really know what it is. It's a funny acronym. It's an acronym that tries to break down silos, yet it creates a silo by definition, because that's what acronyms do, right? They put things together to make a know a silo that's what it does uh so the next question i have a follow-up question which is you have all chosen stem why did you choose a stem thing well i've always like really enjoyed maths like just the way it works how there's always rules and you can understand pretty much any concept if you just know the rules of it and then i've and i've always had a passion for science and stem just things like that it's allowed me to combine that stuff into something i really love and at the same time broaden my horizons i get exposed to newer things that give me a better option on what i could do in my future so like kind of like jesse said um i've always considered myself to be good at maths which is why i like it and then um science like it's like logical and interesting which is why i also like it and then like in the future like i feel like there would be like more like science and engineering stuff rather than like I know like English and stuff because you can still discover like more behind science and engineering and like yeah it would be good for the future well I think that it's there's like a aspect of being creative because say if you don't know something you gotta think of a theory that may or may not work with it so there's still that aspect of not knowing then you gotta get creative probably one of the reasons why I liked joining science and stem because there's that there's still stuff that we don't know but then there's even more stuff that we're going to discover that we don't know we don't know where it's going to end so may as well get funding into it like properly promote have you heard of the dunning kruger effect essentially the more you know the more that you know that you don't know or otherwise it's the less you know the more you think you know i like that yeah the more you know about science the more that you know that you've got to find out and even like ask the question like is there an end to it or like are we going to find out 100% of everything in this universe? It's just one of those questions that may or may not be answered. All right, others, why Why did you do STEM at school? Um, I always liked doing STEM-related subjects because I liked figuring out how things worked and math, science and engineering, they like help you figure out those things. And also it has really good potential for the future, I think. Um, I've always liked the designing and background of stem subjects like i've never been good at art or music or anything like that so like i really enjoy stem because i get to use my mind and work out how to problem solve i love asking why that's my big question that i always ask and you can ask my mom and she'll tell you that i have never stopped asking that at uni now i I do chemistry and physics um, and I love both of them for different reasons and I have this love-hate relationship where if there's something that I don't understand I just have to go and figure it out like I can't sit there and think oh that's for someone else to work out like no I have to go and understand it which sometimes leads me into issues when I don't understand but we get there and I think that's what science is so exciting about science because there's always more to know and there's always more to learn and then when you see things start coming together that you've been taught 
you know, through high school and you can finally see how it all fits together. That's just a really exciting moment and that's what keeps me going. Ali, you're a th- your third year student now, right? Correct. Mostly quantum physics and chemistry? No, it's physical chemistry and chemical physics, right? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in other words, nanotechnology. And the rest of you are in high school. So it's, it's really cool for me to hear what you guys are saying. The reason I asked why did you choose STEM is because you've probably only recently made that choice, right? A couple of years ago, you made the choice to go and do science. But none of you, none of you said, oh, it's because of a teacher or it's because one thing that I wanted to know. Basically, you all said either I've always wanted to know about the world or it's handy for the future. Like, that's really cool. I like that. And that says stuff to me. Like, it's, like everyone has their, their favourite science teacher. I remember my high school physics teacher. But it wasn't him that changed my mind to go and do science. It was just I was always wanted to do science. I was, you know, since I remember, I was just always going to do science. And I think that's interesting that you guys are saying that too. That says things to me like how to educate people towards STEM. It's difficult to do when you are all educated already, like you're already engaged. So I don't need to go and teach you the good things about STEM because you already... I know, I know what you're trying to say. Like you'd, there's already people wanting to do STEM, but also the people that don't want to do it, but yet they're not getting the opportunity mm-hmm. in a way. Like I know some teachers are good teachers, but then I know some kids at my school, like they don't particularly like it. And that's because maybe the teachers didn't do it or it's other, maybe the student just doesn't want to be there. So uh, I'll take that one step further before I ask you my next question, which is what's the job that you get, like there's the cliche, the job that you get is not even designed yet. Like the job that you have in 10 years, it probably doesn't exist yet. But some of you mentioned, you know, future careers and job prospects. What are those? What do you want to do with STEM after you leave school? Well, I think like there's still so much to go, it's so far to go in science, there's still so much we don't know and so much that we don't even know we don't know. And I think any career that helps to pursue that knowledge and to keep it, to keep us going on that journey, I think is a good one for anyone who wants to do STEM. So you're just all about the discovery? I think that makes an essential part of what science is, really, that, uh, that asking why that Alison's mentioned and that ability to find the answer that's ultimately what science is i think so like right now i kind of have like an interest in like aviation and stuff so then like in the future i'm hoping to like go into like aviation or something but like more specifically like the engineering of it because i don't exactly want to be a pilot it's good that like you can link science with like so many stuff them as well like engineering and then like i want to do physics once i leave (laughs) um probably more specifically maybe astrophysics because i remember or since a young age i remember um popping on television and there was a documentary about space and all that i thought oh that's pretty cool so i thought i don't know it's ever since then it kind of interested me thinking maybe do something to do with that uh so i think i want to do something along the electrical engineer line because I, I really like electronics and the way that electricity works and with the superconductors from yesterday i want to learn more about like that stuff when you figure it out can you tell me i'll try <laughs> i read a uh something or rather that was very tentative but I think they might be making headway on room temperature superconductors which is so exciting so I'll get you all the reference on yeah that. right and I'm just saying this tentatively because they have to um go and check it out I think the Nobel Prize team is going to send a lot of academics over there it's somewhere in Europe um to make sure that it's legit before they you know go public but oh, imagine if watch this legit. space my question is essentially, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which is a rubbish question, I'm sorry. Well, I was sort of going along, I was, I was some in, I'm interested in sort of electrical engineering as well. 
and yeah how you can sort of look at these discoveries that we've made and look at how the world works and then look for ways to apply it in everyday society and therefore make more efficient ways of running society in ways that may be more environmentally friendly or more efficient or more economical sort of not only making discoveries and making research but also looking at ways of applying that into society for example superconductivity and like bullet trains and things like that ways of transporting at you know high speeds with not much resistance and it's more economical um i'm not entirely sure but i want to go something along the lines of engineering and astronomy because i've always been interested in astronomy and like finding out different things i think uh instrumentation in astronomy is going to be pretty big pretty soon because as I was telling you guys uh, yesterday, there's there's now a new way that we probe the universe, right? Which is gravitational waves. That didn't exist before. So we're going to have to build new machines that that detect the, or you know ask questions of the universe in different ways. And what do you want to be when you grow up, Alison? I'm never growing up, Tom. <laughs> I'm still not sure myself. I just take Good. one step after the other. So next year I'll try and do honours in physical chemistry if I can and then we'll see maybe further research I'm not sure see where it takes me perhaps uh superconductivity room temperature superconductivity who knows perhaps okay all right so here's a question from my previous guest her name was Ansi she is a researcher of uh philosophy basically in America she did her honors project here at sydney uni in the philosophy of time fascinating wonderful interview and wonderful research so basically one of the questions she asked me a few years ago and this was the question that she asked uh, that she's researching now which is you know how time can go forwards and backwards right she said what if it can go left and right as well <laughs> and that's just the question that breaks my brain like i don't even know how to imagine that and that's her research it's about the philosophy philosophy of time Right. What if it's not going to have X and Y and Z directions? Why can't you have that for time as well? Why is time special? That's the only one that goes forward but not left and right or up and down. That's, that's what her research is. But she asked the question, and it's kind of related to what we were talking about before. How do you get science and the humanities to work together? Do you think they work together? How do we get them to work together better? Maybe it can be like a one set goal that a whole of humanity humanity could potentially have like it's kind of like maybe have like one goal and maybe that could help i I don't know how to say it but like like using stem we could maybe set a goal that the whole of humanity could try to stride to maybe it could be something to do with medical or something like humans go like go and tell the planets and all that like anything i kind of like that so um there's uh, a project which is trying to send humans to Mars Space uh, as well as that Mars One. They're trying to select astronauts now. One of the things that they have to consider is not only do they take scientists but they need to take doctors, teachers, comedians but you know they've got to take they've got to think of not only just scientists and, and engineers but other people as well. You've got to take humanity to Mars. Like do you really need the scientists there? Because like just in case something were to happen then you would need someone that's good with repairing so like an engineer or something then i don't know because maybe some people could have two jobs while they're there i like that like a big project yeah that everybody solves yeah okay cool 
wondering what the risk factors would be in sending someone to Mars. Like, is is it completely completely safe, or is are they risking? You know, what what are the chances that it could all go wrong? It's just, I guess, in order to make these sort of adventures and discoveries, you just got to sort of take the risk and just, you know, weigh the options and think of, you know, if you were to get people on Mars, you know, how much that would benefit humanity. Um, I know one of them. In fact, I've interviewed one of them for uh, Stempunk. His name is Josh Richards, and he is one of the last hundred candidates, and they're going to whittle that down to about 25 quite soon. So he may be one of the first astronauts to go to Mars, and it's a one-way trip for this specific project. So he has, yeah, I asked him, like, I get to think about that once, you know, or every now and then I say, hey, Josh, what's it like to consider never coming back to Earth? Like, you leave, it's a one-way trip, you don't come back. But he has to think about that every day. He has to consider himself a Martian That's now. That's future. Yeah. So he's he's living life as a Martian. Yeah. Which yeah. doesn't look much different on Earth, right? But but he, the idea is he's got to think about himself as not coming back. Because you can't think about that at the last minute. Yeah, you have to have worked that out in your head first. He's told all his family that he's not coming back. He's told, you know, all of his the people he meets, you know, I'm Josh, I'm going to Mars and I'm not coming back. Like, that's who he is. He's a Martian. And I think that's a pretty... F like, that's risky to even talk about that, let alone if you ever make it. It'd be pretty bad, though, if he doesn't get in he's told all those people he's going to Mars and he's not. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it's still worth... I think we need to do that more. We need to consider p ourselves as a species with, uh, on multi multiple planets. Because if we don't, we're never going to go. And if we stuff up this one, then what's? Uh, yeah. Where are we going to go from there? Yeah, exactly. And plus, I go to the moon. Go to the moon. Um, I was also like tied on to like them going to Mars. Like, what would the psychological thought of them like once they're there, and even the trip going there, like four people on a spaceship, all alone? Like, what's the implications? Is that going to have on the people's mind? Yeah, sure. So yeah. that's 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 I think where humanities would be really important. Yeah. So you probably need like psychologists maybe yeah. there or Well that's why I said comedians, like artists or yeah. musicians, right? You gotta have you gotta something have to pass the time. There. Like Yeah. It's a science project but but it's humanity that does the science. Yeah. And also add on that, like once say like once Mars gets colonized, populated enough, would there be any um fighting between earth and mars like if you know what i mean like i i know it might sound like yeah. a sci-fi thing with star wars or something but like what would happen if there was a disagreement or mars tries to gain independence from earth or something like that yeah <laughs> well i think if if people are able to um if, if, if humanity is able to colonize other planets it's sort of like an insurance because here on earth we are vulnerable to any environmental crisis that could occur or something that might wipe out humanity but as soon as you, you we're able to colonize more than one planet it sort of ensures the survival of humanity and guarantees that we're going to have a longer future than maybe if we just lived on earth unless of course the parts of the environment on mars that we're vulnerable to, vulnerable to kill us like or the sandstorms or the yeah. lack of atmosphere i also like to think like how would humans evolve once they get there like I know it's like the it's like one third of Earth's gravity. So would they be taller? Like it, like you know, it's like there's a like different environmental factors that will shape Martians now. 
New Earth basketball team straight from Mars. <laughs> I was about to say, what happens at the World Cup? Like, do they do they send a team <laughs> over? <laughs> what have you seen, like, State of Origin, where it's like Mars versus Earth? And yeah, yeah. So many questions. Like, what if you send humans to Mars, they become Martians, and then the Martians go to Venus? So it's no longer Earthlings that have gone to Venus, it's Martians. So do the Martians own Venus, or is it Earth that owns like there's rules about who owns stuff in what space. if they both go at the same time like have a joint mission yeah, there right. so <laughs> would it be like half venus is earth <laughs> half is martian interplanetary collaboration yeah <laughs> sure all right cool i like that big projects anything else any other ideas about how to get humanities involved in stem so with that are we talking about humanities as in geography and history or humanity as in the people I don't know. It's open open to interpretation. It's kind of going to be hard because it, there's always going to be a clash between two opposing ideas. So like like climate change. We got the science to back it up, but yet there's people still saying, nah, it doesn't exist. It's going to be... I'm saying it's not impossible, but it's going to be really hard to stride for it. But I think if we could work together, it's possible. I think it's really important to remember that people that think differently from you are actually a big asset to the way that you work. So if we're all slaving away in our lab and we find, okay, super hydrophobic surfaces which repel water and we publish a paper about that and go, okay, that's very good, someone else needs to come along and say, okay, let's make self-cleaning windows. Let's take that idea and make it something that's now not just in the lab but it's something for humanity. Like I'm thinking about all the applications we can use for nanotechnology, you know, um, membranes, filters, get clean drinking water to people that need it in Africa. I think the humanities tell us to look out for those people, broaden our eyes beyond the lab, like we were saying before, geography, those kind of, um, you know, social sciences are going to be able to help the scientists identify the need. And then I think we need those people again to work with us and help us take things that we discover um, and make them actually useful for real people. I like that. Scientists solve problems but we solve scientist problems. And we need mostly. help identifying the problems, yeah. I think. So we, we come up with you know a new equation or a new bit of research, and we should, we should be reaching out to the humanities to say, we've got this thing, do you want to help us? You know, <coughs> How can we use that to solve a problem? And to take the example of the room temperature conduct superconductivity example, what a shame that would be if someone came up with that and thought, okay, that's cool, and then left it on a shelf. Like yeah. This has massive implications. And what other things have we discovered that we haven't realized what the implications are, how much that can help people, and it's just sitting there in a shelf or written up in our lab books? I think that's a real benefit that will come out of collaboration with humanity. The question is framed as how do we get humanities into science, but we should be inviting, like actively reaching out to people who are, not si <laughs> who are not scientists or not scientists trained, invite everyone to solve problems with us. Or at least to come up with problems for the scientists to solve. Yeah, for sure. It's like the, um, the laser, when it was des uh, developed, they called it a solution, look and it was almost what you said. Which, which is, you know, it just they invented it and thought, oh, that's pretty cool, and then left it for a while because they couldn't figure out how to use that. Now lasers are everywhere because everyone has started solving problems with lasers or creating problems that lasers can solve. Transistors, the same thing. Half the world's heist movies would be gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have movies. So all of the world's heist movies would be gone. Yes. So here we're going we're gonna to crowdsource a question for our next guest, and I don't know who the next guest is. 
So let's talk about what question we can ask the next person based on whatever you want. It could be STEM-based or it could be humanities-based or it could be uh, people going to Mars kind of vibe. What question, if you had the chance to ask you know, a researcher in science or something, what question would you ask them? What would the first four people you send to Mars be? Like, what would their occupation be? It just comes up with more things like what, who to send and it could potentially help. If you know who to send, then it could make it easier. I like that question. That question kind of comes back to what, what are the fundamental occupations that you need for a society to start? So I think that's like wrapped up in that question. Um, but maybe we have other ideas too. Any other ideas? We could we could have other ideas inside that question. What about like like where is the future of science? Like th this next guest, maybe ask them where the next big discoveries in science are going to be. Like from their opinion, what's going to be? What are they excited about? Sort of, but more along the lines of like for f for in the in the future, what's going to be that big science discovery that everyone's talking or that everyone wants to move into or what's going to be that new area of science that that we need to start learning about what do you think it's going to be i reckon there's a lot of possibilities like what like we're doing a lot of research into space and other planets but we know very little about our own and i think research into that could be could become very important in the future or interstellar travel trying to survive on mars it could really be any number of fields I have a big question, which may be difficult to answer, but I would love to ask a researcher, do they think that if humanity lived for a long time, so I'm, I'm really thinking long term, would we ever find all the answers? Kind of asked that before. I like it. Is there a limit to the things that we can know? Are we ever going to get to the end and say, okay, we know it all now? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, that's done. <laughs> well, like ha ha have a break from school, guys. We've just figured it all out. Also, want to ask like if we do find like a hundred percent of everything, what do we do after that? Yeah, so uh, we kind of talked about this with with Ansi. So she was saying, is the, like sort of that? Is there a limit to the things that you can know? And and her opinion was kind of like, no. Here's the answer to everything, and they'll be like, are you sure? That's just in one universe. What about <laughs> multiple ones? I'm of the opinion that we can't, but I don't want that to be pessimistic. I think it's exciting that we can't ever know there's always going to be more to do we're never going to be out of a job they're never going to have to say okay go home now <laughs> i don't know what what would that day be like imagine if you said right we just figured it out what would you do you go home and you think okay well i don't need to think ever again you also pose the possibility of would we lose it once we find out because you know there's no one going into it actively so there's no one keeping potentially not keeping like logs on every single thing and there's some systems like the weather that are defined to be chaos i we have mathematically shown that we can't know that system so it kind of seems like a cop-out but it changes so much there's so many different degrees of freedom things that can change um so maybe it would be more of a case of classifying a whole bunch of things we can't know which doesn't seem very satisfying to me um, my question is whether or not we should continue to pursue these things like going to Mars when we haven't solved all the problems that we already have here on Earth that need to, that are perhaps more important to be solved first before we go colonizing other planets or whether it, it really doesn't matter or whether we should put our efforts towards sort of the, you know, the equality of humanity and the, the, the quality of life of everyone on Earth. 
before we go and colonize other planets or go into other bits of research that have nothing to do with you know the well-being of everyone yeah with that we have like famine and riots in the streets and we're not solving that we're going and solving a problem that doesn't directly affect us yet like there's over 7 billion people and a lot of them live in third world countries where they don't have clean water or food to eat every day we should be solving those questions and those problems before we work on problems that we don't need to know the answers to yet yeah okay so it's like uh we can solve the problem of getting to Mars, but that's a created problem. We've got other problems that we've not even created. Well, we've created, but we don't have to make that problem. We've already got that problem. So, okay, well, can we put those together to say the next question is something like, should we go to Mars? And if so, who do you send? Yeah, well, that ties in with the humanity and STEM subjects. Yeah. Because of the, uh, where we're trying to solve a problem that's like a humanitarian problem. I think that pretty well sums up pretty much the entire conversation today. Sure. I'm going to try and make it a bit broader too. Should we go to Mars? If so, who are the four or five people you send? And if you decide not to send them, what do you do with those four or five people? It's not as if we put them aside and say, you're going to Mars. Oh, now you're not going to Mars. Go somewhere else. But if we can solve a problem with those five people, send them to Mars, but we don't send them to Mars because we don't agree with that, what can you do with those five people? That's, that's our question. I'll make that into a legible sentence. All right, so here's a, another question. What do you want me or other people listening to this to go and learn more about? I'm a science nerd. Other people are car nerds or politics nerds or music nerds or Pokemon nerds. I've met some of them. Everyone's a nerd about something. So you are all nerds about something. What do you nerd out about? When you're, when you're off on your downtime, what do you go and look up? What do you always go back to? In another way of asking, you know, once we've stopped listening to this, what do you want me to go and find out more about? I think definitely, like, look, like, the whole month, we've been talking about going to Mars a lot, and a lot of people don't actually understand, like, the process behind it, how the people are chosen, or even that we're going to Mars at all. And I think that'd be something good for people to take a look at, like, what's the process behind it? How, what, what, if, what are they doing to stop people, like, from but dying from like desert storms and stuff so you want you want people to go and look up how you get to mars and what you do when you get there pretty much fair enough that's cool i'm i'm not sure if google maps covers that far so uh we we're trying to explore space and we probably know more about space than we do our own oceans they should be trying to find out about everything but we're not focusing on our own planet and how we can save our planet we're trying to focus on we're moving our problem we're leaving our problems here and moving somewhere else. Is that what you nerd out about? Do you nerd out about, like, our not, own problems? Not really. What I, do, I do like you... the outdoors and hiking and camping. There you go. Where's Where's your favourite place to camp? Somewhere near Blue Mountains or down south a little bit. Do you, you camp in a tent or do you camp in, a, a like, a, a swag or caravan? Yeah, tent. tent. By yourself with the family? Uh, sometimes with family, sometimes with, I mean, scouting, sometimes with scouts, with friends. So where would you recommend someone go? Give me a, a name of a place to go. And why? Uh, convince me. Convince me that I'm going to go camping this weekend. And not Mars. <laughs> Mount Solitary, it's a, it's a two-day hike in the Blue Mountains. Uh, you go over really nice views. You go through the valley, um, and you go up o- over the mountain. It's about a four or five k stretch of mountain that you climb over, 
the amazing views and it's very cool being able to see the landscape. It's almost like a big river that's down there, but there's it's just trees down there. It's really cool. There you go. That's a great answer. I appreciate that. Anyone else? What are you? What am I going to nerd out about? What are you going to convince me to do? What's the thing that you you go and look up? Like you get on the internet. What do you look up? Or a thing that you always think about? You know, if you're supposed to be in class learning about the crucible or whatever, I don't know. What's the thing you daydream about? So I'm a Pokemon nerd myself. <laughs> so and um, I think that you should go watch some Pokemon episodes. Especially because there's actually some science behind Pokemon, like the like they like develop like some like they use like theories of like evolution in Pokemon and stuff. And then there's also like actual like history behind it. It's not just like some like fictional characters. They like they kind of like take like some com concepts of science and like put it into the game. Yeah. Other than that, you should also watch Air Crash Investigations because <laughs> it's really interesting and it's like physics as well. So, uh, so I'm going to go back to Pokemon's. Which is your favorite Pokemon? Um, Lucario. Why? I don't know what like, that is, by the way. Uh, you have to explain it to me. I don't know. I just like it. It's like this dog. It, it looks like a dog with like puppy ears, like those like long puppy ears that like falls down and then but then he stands up on two legs instead and he's like he's like the aura pokemon and then he's kind of like a ninja and it's just cool yeah <laughs> um did you play pokemon go okay as a as a pokemon fan <laughs> i pokemon go is like a downgrade from the actual like original pokemon game series where they had it on like the game boy game color and ds and all that stuff entertaining but it it's also bad like not just like how like they kind of like the whole concept of pokemon is like ruined through that <laughs> so then and then but then also like the fact that like everyone like two years ago last year like everyone just started going on their phones all the time like on the streets just trying to find pokemon and it, it distracts so many people and stuff and it's just not good yeah all right. so it's good that i've never played pokemon go yeah yeah what about watched any what about watched any pokemon show i don't think i've done that either well some of them are they kind of don't make sense, especially that the main character like doesn't like age through the series for like <laughs> twenty years. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. Like, Can I, I've got yeah. a Pokemon Go story. Only one. Yeah. This is my Pokemon Go story. Two years ago, I was doing, or Alison was actually doing a project with me about measuring sound with a phone, measuring like sound intensity yeah. with a phone to see if uh, the phone measures sound the same way that a a sound meter measures sound mm -hmm. you know so in, in a classroom you'll have a sound level meter but does your phone work as well as that anyway whatever trying to get experiments more accessible to students yeah. so we had to test the sound level meter with sound yeah. against the phone so we had a sound level meter outside on the the, the grounds out there right in front of the, the cafe and a sound made by the phone and a phone to measure it. So we're measuring with the phone and the sound meter. There was lots of noise. Some of it was from cars. Some of it was from planes. It was raining. We jumped in and out. And we finally got this little bit of window where we could measure some sound. 
and then right in the middle of our sound level measurement uh, there's a student that ran out onto the <laughs> middle of the ground and started shouting because he collected a Pokemon. <laughs> so it destroyed our measurement. <laughs> good, so you never actually played it. No, it wasn't me. It was oh, someone good. else playing, but it destroyed our measurement. So I've actually got a question that we can add. What What do you think about self-driving cars or AI? Like the, uh, the possibility of it coming to the future and um, is it good or bad? Okay, so I'm going to put that into the question. I know how. Do you send people to Mars and give me four people, that you, not people, but like jobs or whatever, and the fifth one is technology, like the fifth thing you send? Because a lot of jobs could be done by computers or robots, right? So like driving cars on Mars, you don't need a driver to drive a car, for example. Or you don't need, maybe you don't need a comedian because you can just beam stuff from Earth. Yeah, so we'll put that in there. What technology do you also need to send to Mars? So the four people and one piece of technology. I've got a little side question, kind of linking to that. But also, say we land on Mars in 2020, how long before someone decides to make a new version of Pokemon Go for <laughs> Mars? <laughs> I don't know. From lessons we've learnt uh, right here and now, probably a long time. <laughs> Let's certainly hope so. Yeah. All right, what else? What do you do? What, what do you want me to know about? Um, I'm a bit of a gamer myself. I play a bit of games like I play Dark Souls, Pokemon. I remember I got that, got into that young. Elder Scrolls. I don't know. I've got I've got a bit of everything, but then there's some games that I like, like Fallout, Minecraft. Yeah, they actually do Minecraft in schools now. Yeah, I know that at my school they have Minecraft Mondays. Anyway, what I note about <laughs> note out about um, I like to get into game lore and that, like what happens in the game like the history of it and i don't know uh, what's your favorite game to play at the moment Jeez. um well it is a difficult game i'll tell you that <laughs> you're not doing well straight up <laughs> like, like okay so once you def like once you it's hard to defeat a boss but like once you do it you just feel satisfied like it just there's that feeling of like you've tried really hard to do it and you finally do it and you're like oh. it's like learning quantum physics yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> Learning on the physics and all that. Like once you get that equation, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Except, I think being the boss doesn't add much to science. Yeah, it's just the, the equations look be with better graphics. Equations, equations with much better graphics. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Alison, you're at uh, like boss level four now, right? Is that right? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> What was it? Dark Souls. Dark Souls. That's no, remastered. Dark it's Souls remastered. Quite a homework list now. Nelson, tell me, what do you know that about? When I was younger, I used to know know that about like book series, because you know I went I went to a Steiner school and they're sort of like against technology. So up till I was ten or eleven, you know, I didn't have a phone or any of that. So I just spent all my time reading books and stuff. Um, nowadays, um, well, over the past year or so, I've been really interested in learning another language, and I've I went on a, um, an exchange to Germany for three months, and there I've learned to speak pretty good German. Like I can have a pretty good conversation. And it was such a good experience for me, um, going and seeing another culture, another way of life that they have over there and what, you know, the German people do with their free time and like how it contrasts to Australian culture and it was a real eye opening to sort of see, you know, the life on the other side of the planet, you know. Or sort of see how, how they function in Europe and all that. Um, I went to I went to Berlin. I first I went to Paris and then after that to Berlin. And yeah, there's so many museums about the Berlin Wall and about the war, about the war and all that. But um, yeah, I found that 
you know, their interests were, were very similar to that in Australia. What do you nerd out about? Probably most nerd out about superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very much into that. Uh, Marvel or DC? DC. <laughs> not not the movies. I like the. the I read the comic books and the watch the TV shows, but okay. I don't like the movies. So, which is your favorite superhero? Probably the White Canary or the Flash. Why the White Canary? She's like kind of a ninja or assassin, and she's just really awesome and <coughs> badass. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, she's really cool. That's the coolest answer. Um, the I've not seen the TV show The Flash, um, but I've heard a bit about it where a gun that one of them had, which was the ultimate cold gun or the ultimate hot gun or something. Yeah, they have a freeze gun and a hot gun. The ultimate hot... Yeah, yeah. I just think that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that exists, really. No, I don't think so. <laughs> In basically every episode, they come up with like the most ridiculous ideas and they do it so quickly also but that's fun yeah it's like fantasy science right so what problems does the white canary solve oh she's a time traveler oh great (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a lot she just like saves the world from demons and things Mm -hmm. like that (laughs) yeah okay is there there's one more do you want to tell me what you go ali yeah what do you know about I'd just like to start with, um, I'm more of a Marvel fan myself, <laughs> a little more accurate with the science. I really nerd about, like, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a music fan, like I like all, a lot of different kinds of music, but one of my favourite kinds is called acapella. Not everyone might be familiar with it. Basically, it's pitch, what Pitch Perfect was. Okay. So it's singing and like performing a song but with no music, you create all the music yourself. It could be anything from humming, vocalizing, body percussion. I think it's really good to see a good performance of a cappella and see all those parts just come together so well. Are you part of an a cappella group or? Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> Hard finding members. The high range is, there's no one with a high range at my school. Uh, have you heard of a group called the Flying Pickets? No, I'm not familiar with that group. Okay, go look up the Flying Pickets. Uh, they're a great a cappella group. There's an a cappella group here at Sydney in the science faculty. Well, some of the science faculty people, they're called the a cappellicans, and they're quite good. Okay, and here's one for you. Take a look at Pentatonics. Pentatonics, yeah, right. They're one of the most well-known, I think, a cappella groups. And they, they're, quite, they're quite big on YouTube. They do tours around America. They came to Australia a few years ago. Uh-huh. I just keep coming back to that question of why. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself and you see yourself in the mirror, you just think, why? Why can I see myself? Why why are my eyes this colour? How does this all work? What's happening inside of me that everything just works out perfectly? (laughs) Yeah, why is my hair all messy? (laughs) We look at the trees and think about the leaves and why are they green? Why do they they work? Why do they flutter in the wind? You look at the cars driving past and just keep thinking about why. But also the... The bigger questions of, you know, who, who are we? Why are we here on this earth? We're, we're only really here for a short time. So yeah. I think it's worth really nutting down into that. Yeah, why are we actually here? So basically everything. Just why. Yeah. Why everything? Why? why? I'd also like to like add a question. Like, how, like human consciousness, like how much do you really control of your own body? When you think about it, you don't really think about 
your own self like you don't control your heartbeat your breathing you can control but then after a while you just forget about it um your immune system digestive system like any any there's a, a short story i just read called i think it's past time present tense it's called or something like that um and it was shown to me by a teacher uh, called Cameron Melcher. I've interviewed him as well. And he said, uh, do this. For those of you who aren't holding a microphone in your hand, look, uh, put your two fingers uh, like apart, about a meter in front of you, right? Look at one of your fingers, right? And then just look to the other finger. And then look back. And then look back. Right? So as you look between your fingers, what you don't see is the space in between. Yeah? You don't see that. Your brain just gets rid of that. You don't even see it. So you can look from one finger to the next. And in between, as your eyes scroll across, you don't see that part. So you're, you're essentially blind to that part, right? Your consciousness is not there. It just blots that out, that whole thing. Whereas if you look slowly, you know, I can see all of you now. I can see all of you in front of me. Now I can see my finger if I do it slowly. But if you do it fast, you can't see it. Right? This short story was you take a drug to extend that time, to extend that like uh, your brain is still doing the things that it does, but you're not conscious of it. It's a pretty funny... St- well, it's not a funny story. It's, it's Don't it's do drugs. Be- because, yeah, because in the story they OD on that drug. So they've... Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that time, you know, is a microsecond, whatever, or, you know, a fraction of a second. But in the story that lasts for years where they're still going through the motions of being themselves, but they're not aware of it. It's like how you see in the past, like by the time you see something, your brain processes it and hear something like you see stuff in the past, but it just occurs naturally, you know, like it, I don't know, just, it really asks questions like, why do, uh, why are we hardwired like this? Like what Alison says, like why? Like why are we hardwired to be conscious and, it's not really like part of the brain that controls it. <laughs> it's it's just a matrix. You know, there was a guy, a, a great ancient Greek guy by the name of Socrates. He act, he also continu- continually asked why. Um, yeah, yeah, that one didn't end so well for him. So let's hope the same doesn't happen here. Well, the answer could just be why not. So you look why at yourself. Not? Yeah, you get up. You look at yourself <laughs> in your mirror. Why? Why not? It's such like a sudden like why? Why not? Okay, <laughs> move Such on. Such a cop out. <laughs> Next problem. That's, that's quite a homework list. I've got yeah. uh, human consciousness. No, what, and like, what was your, what was the game? Your game? Soul. Dark Souls. Dark Souls remastered. <laughs> Pokemon. Camping. White Canary. Why? <laughs> Why? <Pentagonics. laughs> Acapella and Germany. And air crash investigation. Maybe don't watch that on a plane, but... If you can combine all of that into one massive task, <laughs> I'm going to be really impressed. <laughs> Send us an email like once you're done or something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> just have like a whole month of holidays just to do everything. Just to do all of that stuff. Well, thank you for that. Is there anything else that you want to add? I'm going to wrap it up there and then that's been so much fun. Thank you, everyone.
This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network, aeon.net.au.